0: Warning! Star Trek from the Holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone!
1: Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon Vessel, we are energizing transport of evil. Now! Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek From the Holodeck. This is the Discovery Edition. And I am Michael, your regular host and captain of the USS Rain Man Digital. And at the science station today
0: is David. Hello, David. The science station has no life forms in the horizon, Captain. No life form in all (laughs) of space.
1: There's (laughs) no life form. You are... Absolutely, oh, I did turn it on. The worst off. science officer of I, I, all time. I, I did not turn off the, the station captain. It wasn't even on. It wasn't even on. Okay, you know what? Um, <laughs> take that shuttle and fly right into the DMA. <laughs> into the DMA with you? Oh, man. All right. So we're going to be discussing season four, episode nine, Rubicon. This episode was working with some aspects of classic Trek genre semantics like for example the naval style cat and mouse pursuit between Discovery and book ship. That was cool. I love stuff like that. It's something that Star Trek doesn't do enough anymore. They did it a lot in the original series. They did it even in the original series films. Uh, TNG had various episodes that did that. And the reason why I like it is because it allows the writers to flesh out what it really means to be a captain of a Ship. Not just, hey, I'm a leader and I make commands. No, let's see your strategy exactly. as a naval officer. And that's what was really cool in this episode is to see Burnham's and Book's skill level as essentially naval personnel. Parker's use of game theory, which is a branch of philosophy that deals with mathematics, That was fantastic. Yes. Uh, We veered into areas of utilitarianism, which is also a part of philosophy and is the source of inspiration for the Vulcan saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, The doctrine that actions are right if they are useful or for the benefit of a majority. So we saw that in play as well. Uh, Needless to say, the episode is packed with relevance and we only have two episodes left. And David, we're getting to that point so far, I'm enjoying the season, and i I don't want to speak for you. I, I believe you as well are enjoying the season so far
0: yes, I am I mean I, I'm definitely enjoying how the season ending is going more than I have in past seasons of discovery where we've 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 talked in nauseam about it how discovery just tapers off it just falls you know flat, not just discovery
1: Picard as well but Because as people know by now, for some reason, at least from our perspective, during this new era of Trek, the writers seem to have difficulty successfully closing out a season. Typically, the last two episodes is when things tend to break apart, narratively speaking. In fact, Discovery Seasons 1 and 3 and Picard Season 1 both suffered from this inability to land the ship uh, season two of Discovery. Whatever your feelings are on the season as a whole, managed to successfully successfully close out the season's narrative and myth arc. So, out of four seasons of new Trek, I'm not including Lower Decks at this at this time. A little different type of show. To yeah, it's a different format to compare. That. Yeah, so we will be watching. While pleading to the Trek gods <laughs> or the God of Shakari. Listen, I'll pray to the God of, God of Shakari if it means giving us an amazing ending, because that's more frustrating than a bad season. It is like, like Picard was frustrating after episode five, but it was still watchable. It wasn't until the last episode and a half where you're just like, Oh my God, where you want to just basically punch the screen. Yes. But when you have like last season, last season was great. I want to say 95% of it. But then the last episode, you're kind of like shrugging. I'm like, what is happening? And that happened with the first season. Yes. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen this year. Things do feel a little more solid, I would say, in this season. I, I don't know if this is the strongest season per se, but it is the most Star Trek season to date oh, within absolutely. Discovery.
0: No, I, I I will actually jump onto that. Boat and say that this is probably the best
1: in the ways of
0: Trek. In the ways of Trek, because Pop, yeah. the the amazing thing that this season has done is, since the very beginning, we've been saying that it has to establish why Burnham. Belongs in that seat. Yeah, And this episode, again, shows why she belongs in that seat. That's one of the strengths of the season, Dave. And is- it's been the narrative thread, too. Yeah. Yep. That has been a, a, a purposeful narrative thread to show that everyone questioning Burnham, who's higher ranking than her, basically saying, are you sure you're, you're, you can do this as captain of Discovery? Yeah. And Burnham constantly climbing that hill saying that i can do this i can do it the star trek way too because not only is she earning earning her keep so to speak as a as a captain but she's also maintaining the ethics of star trek you know i love the fact that in particularly in this episode the idea of first contact what first contact means and the significance of that moment really harkens back. It made me think of like all those moments in Star Trek that we've seen where first contact happens, you know, like first contact with the Vulcans, first contact with the Klingons, how that all mm-hmm. means something bigger than a lot of people don't think about. First contact is very, very important and within the world of Star Trek. And in this episode, that was the, that was the big theme between what was going on with book and what was going on with Burnham is like, does book basically just automatically make first contact and shoot the thing in the face, whatever it is. Yeah. He, he literally did a Will Smith. Welcome to earth. Asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like, I, I like the fact that even on books part, suddenly the gravity of the situation starts bringing into it him. It's not about just getting revenge. Right. He's about to make contact with a alien life form that no one has ever seen before. What's going to happen? You know? Yeah. He smacks. It's like if you've never seen a bear in the woods and you don't know what a bear is, but you decide to smack it across the face, not knowing what it's going (laughs) to do. You're talking about an actual bear or a gay male? Uh, A little both. Oh, okay. Probably a little both. But, (laughs) but like if you, if you think about it, that's what the 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 concept of that of the argument is is like okay you're going to meet this new new species you've never seen before how do you react to it and the philosophy behind it you know it's kind of like why we have my favorite moment in uh enterprise in the seasons of enterprise it was when they showed first contact in the mirror universe and how it was different from first contact in the movies. Instead of you know like uh, the guy exchange, exchange, uh, exchanging his welcome and you know shaking the Vulcan's hand, he pulls out a blaster no. and oh, a shotgun, shoots. I believe. Uh, yeah, it was a shotgun, and then he blows brutal. the Vulcan away. Yeah, and then they you see the entire people like rushing onto the Vulcan ship to take it over.
1: Let's that's be real; the that's the probably argument. what would happen in real life
0: in in, in today's society. Probably, yeah. probably, but that's, the, but that's what the, the, the philosophical argument
1: is. Yeah, no, I agree,
0: and, and let's put a pin in that, because I want to get
1: back into book, because book's going to take up a large portion of our discussion. Oh, yeah. I want to start officially, Dave, and this will bleed right into the book stuff. I want to start with the Bryce and Rice stuff. I found their ideological conflict interesting, because it built on what was introduced last episode the book and Burnham stuff felt like it was an allegory for our own current political landscape where here we have again, in case you didn't catch on, you know, the, a similar thought or at least a continuation of that thought they chose to be less subtle this time and actually foreground the allegory by using uh, the crew or at least two representational characters that work to express the idea further. Uh, the issues with book has split the crew. That's what's at the center of this division. And Rice and Bryce represent the two opposing views. Rice and a portion of the crew feel like Book is doing the right thing. And Bryce and others feel obviously differently. And I like what they did with it, especially with how they brought Culbert into it. At times of division, we must identify that upon which we can agree. A shared goal that can lead to compromise. If that isn't taken from the Gene Roddenberry playbook, I don't know what is. That might be the most Gene Roddenberry element that's ever been included in Discovery to date. That one line is so on par with the core concept of the original Star Trek series that I'm surprised more Star Trek fans are not talking about this online. And interestingly, this is what many of the moderates, bringing it closer to home and back to our own reality here. uh, This is what many of the moderates or the more objective and logical minds have said about resolving our problems within the US. Find the common ground. Find common ground. Start from there. Everyone can agree that we want the best out of life and we want the best for our loved ones, right? Well, let's start there. Yeah. And that is why the thought that, that thought that they include in this episode is so impactful for today's social landscape or social socio political landscape.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you because that the past couple episodes we've been focusing on the 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 conflict between Book and Burnham and you know Burnham's conflict with the higher ups like uh, uh, President Navarre. right. But in actuality this right here this this argument between the crew made it more personal to me. Like it wasn't about Burnham anymore, this is about all of us. Because it is a simple it's a simple philosophical debate that's happening right in front of us that all of us can really can really choose a side and logically basically say okay I'm on this side, you're on that side, but we can find a commonality that basically will bring both sides together. They may not agree. It may not, it may not come, it may not come to a a conclusion. And that's why I felt like
1: a scene with the crew was more impactful. Than- we well, you know that Burnham's gonna have conflict with. Starfleet. And we know that Burnham's going to have an emotional conflict with Book. But what, is, what are the other people who are not as emotionally invested thinking exactly. as they see yeah. everything unfolding? And that is such a beautiful way to basically connect with us as an audience because we're not, for the most part, we're not the ruling class. We're the crew. If we were to put ourselves into these, these sci- this, uh, Star Trek Discovery scenarios, we are the crew watching the ruling class make decisions and how do we view about uh, view these decisions? Well, we're going to have some, some confrontation and we're going to argue amongst ourselves um, and sometimes we need to resolve our problems individually with each other rather than relying on those dominant uh, powers that call the shots and that's why it was nice to see something like that in this episode where not even Saru, which is a ruling, let's call him a ruling class. Yes. He didn't even come up with come- With the solution, it was a member of the crew, Colbert, talking with members of the crew. He's not in command. Yes, he's part of the command crew, but he's not a commanding officer. He's not on the bridge. So to have him be the one to bring that message to the forefront of the episode and disseminate that information to the crew, I feel he's a very powerful statement about what's happening with us currently. In our own country, so it was a strong statement. And David, this is another thing. This is the artistry of this episode as well. And again, the the, the amazing cinematography uh, to add to this di- divisionary idea. The cinematography contributed. Oh my god! As well, Dude, yeah. Visually, I mean, the motivational and poetic camera mo- movements and framing are always a win for me. Yes. And just like the last episode where the director of photography framed Burnham and book to reflect the differing opinions and conflict. The uh, the vision we get something similar in this episode. And the scene I'm talking about is when Burnham takes a shuttle to confront book and they're positioned on opposite sides of the frame (laughs) with space and the view screens separating, separating them. them. And there is a huge separation of nothing between them. It was fantastic. It was gorgeous. So not only are they giving us just great uh, philosophical thoughts in this episode, but now they're backing up these thoughts with visuals. This is a strong episode when it comes to those types of things, without a doubt.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and can we actually finally say with this episode that Hugh Colbert is a better therapist than Deanna? Yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, like- Deanna Troy, who was everyone's everyone's favorite, favorite counselor. Honestly, Hugh Colbert does a hell of a better job and he's not telepathic. I'm sensing great pain. Captain.
1: Yeah. No shit. The person's <laughs> dying in front of me. Counselor <laughs> Troy. Tell me something. I don't know.
0: No. He has a fist up his ass. Yes. The, oh, I can <laughs> see this. And you remember when she loses her ability? In, oh my God, dude, that she's, episode, yeah. She's completely useless. So I'm she's like, well, useless. you're not
1: really a psychologist then. You're cheating. You're, you're using <laughs> your telepathic abilities. That's cheating. You don't really have a skill set then. And think about it. I mean, Colbert... Colbert is a true psychologist. He's a true psychologist. And, he, I love, and David, just to back you up really fast, he is—he might be the MVP of the year.
0: I was about to say is like, we we've been loving what Book has been able to do and Burnham's been able to do, but one of the most... Unsung people, in my opinion, when it comes to the crew, is Hugh Colbert. Yeah. I mean, we make jokes about how Colbert, you know, needs to dump Stamets, but like this season, dude, have you noticed that the Stamets and Colbert thing hasn't really been brought up? It's more focused on Colbert as a human being doing his job. I feel like the
1: writers, David, are finally understanding certain things that have been irritating. Viewers. Now I say that just as a way to stress a point, because for the most part, as I always say, I've enjoyed uh star Trek discovery as a whole, but there's little things that they do with the characters that just irk me. Like I don't care about Stamets and Colbert's relationship every single episode, exactly. Which is what they gave to us for almost two and a half seasons of yes. just them either emotional or upset at each other or breaking up and their entire stories amounted to just a relationship between two men. And that was their story. That's it. There's so much more you can do with these two characters. And finally this season, they're separating them more and showing them fully fleshed out as individuals and not just, not just basically not just representational representation, devices. Yeah. Cause that's what I felt like they were doing for the first three seasons. It was like, Hey, listen, these are gay characters. So we're just going to use that aspect. In order to craft their stories, and now they're showing that they are much bigger than just simply their sexuality.
0: That's why, I, and that's I think, a strength. That's why I think that this particular season of Discovery is the best because, in this one season, we've gotten more input on every single mm-hmm. crew member, their job. Yeah, what is their job on the ship? What is the bridge crew supposed to be doing? And stop questioning orders after Stop one questioning thing. orders. Do your like, fucking job, Bryce. But everyone. <laughs> or whatever his name is. Bryce. Bryce. <laughs> Dude, it's so confusing. Rice and, and Bryce. Bryce. I know. That was, I was like going, God damn it. Do they have to make them the same name? I literally didn't even know. I knew both
1: their names, but I didn't put together that they're so effing similar until, <laughs> until, similar. One out, until I was putting together the
0: notes today. That is confusing as hell. And, and but you know what? With this episode, it was brilliantly done. That's like having a character in like, let's say the original series, Spock and clock a clock <laughs> or mock mock. Yeah, mock. that's better. Spock and mock. <laughs> <laughs> but like when, when it comes to the season, I've been so surprised of uh, happily surprised that basically Each character has been getting, we've been getting more input in like seeing them more than just their, what they represent. Yeah. We've been seeing, you know, Stamets as the engineer that, you know, since season one, I've been going, Stamets is a really cool engineer. I like to see him do some engineer things. (laughs) I, I feel like they, I feel like all of our
1: LGBT characters until this season have essentially been a type of iconography it's just a way to hey these guys are symbols they represent this and that's it here's our gay representation here's our non-binary representation here's our trans representation i'm like well that's great i'm all about representation but what the fuck are you gonna do with it what are you gonna do with it Wh- and what- this season they're actually doing something with these characters other than simply saying hey they are more than just pieces of
0: symbolism symbolism yeah and and in particular the one character i agree with you should be the mvp is colbert yeah because out of all of star trek i cannot think of any other character that has become one of the best counselors i've ever seen i mean he's better than troy because so about counselor- Esri Dax? Esri Dax was really good. I didn't really consider Dax actually a counselor. She though. never even did anything. She never did anything. Her <laughs> only
1: client, if I remember correctly, ended up being Wharf, and that was yeah. that was a conflict of interest. That was a
0: conflict of interest. Did they bang? <laughs> exactly, and that's why I'm like, I didn't see Dax as like a counselor. You can't actually even look at. McCoy, McCoy's not a not. He's just a doctor. He's a doctor, man. He's He's not a counselor. Damn
1: it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a therapist. That's that's what he would have said if they threw him into that position. (laughs) Oh my God, dude, that would be so freaking. Doctor McCoy probably would have caused someone to commit suicide with his cranky bedside manner. Like, imagine if he was a therapist. He's like, I'm really depressed. Man up, man up. God damn it. Here, yeah. drink some alcohol. Yeah, here you go. Here's some uh, Romulan ale. I know it's banned, but it's okay. Here you. It's go. It's okay. It's all medicated. Yeah, get yourself a uh, a medical card, and it's I mean, not illegal.
0: The only character, the only character that I, I feel kind of got really pushed into the background and kind of got lost is one that one of my favorites that I was hoping they would touch on is Janet Reno. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say that
0: Reno's character. I I I really wanted to know more about her, but. I understand why she's not front and center in this season, because her character and her character type does not flow well with this type of narrative that they're doing. I don't know, Dave. I think
1: they could have. I, I don't really know how because though, because they've eliminated. Think about it. They've eliminated two care, three characters. They're not really using. Oh, Jesus. I forgot her name. Jennifer. You know, uh, No, Um, Stammus, Pseudo Child. Oh, uh Gray
0: and... uh
1: Adira. Adira. They're not really using Adira that much. They're not using Tilly. Tilly's gone. Well, Tilly's gone. Yeah, yeah. Reno's yeah. gone. They've eliminated some faces, and maybe they did that in order to tell a more tight... Narrative. Story, yeah. Because
0: think about it. I mean, like, with Adira, Adira's storyline is about you know, belonging somewhere and dealing with the Trill species. No, that's, that's, um, right. That's great. Yeah. But like it, both of them, their storyline doesn't flow well when it comes to this narrative of, you know, making the right decisions, becoming a great leader, yeah. dealing with a divide. It's not, I wouldn't it's, say flow. I'd say it just, they're really,
1: I, I agree with what you're saying, but I would probably describe it as being just unnecessary, yeah. and that's okay. I, how many times have we said this in other shows that we cover? It is okay if you don't use characters every single episode. Exactly. It's okay to use them when they're needed because that's what characters are for. They're essentially there to help you tell your story. Exactly. So if there's no story to tell sideline them a bit and, and use them when you need them. Now, obviously don't completely forget about them to where, when you do bring them in, it doesn't make sense and no one gives a shit, but, (laughs) but I feel like so far with are doing this season, I don't feel like I'm missing any character except for maybe jet Reno, but she's also to be perfectly honest, even though I love her, she's one of my favorite characters.
0: She's not vital to the show. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, in all good star Trek series, We don't have, like, a complete focus on every single crew member.
1: No, there's seasons sometimes where certain characters aren't really focused on.
0: Yeah, there's seasons where we don't see them for a while and suddenly they come back. I mean, TMG was infamous for it because, like, so many iconic characters were, like, almost one and done. Barkley. Barkley's almost a one and done when you think about it. He only lasted, like, one one or two seasons. Was it only that many? I thought he started... Oh, he came back, though. He, but again. he came back sporadically. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's what I think is where Star Trek excels. You you give us this ensemble, but even these characters that only spend, you know, limited screen time, mm-hmm. they stick with us. Yeah. And that's where I see, you know, like Janet Reno, Adira, Grey. I see those characters being like that in this season. We know that they're there. Yeah. But their their own personal story does not tie well with the narrative that's being told.
1: And that's why I feel ultimately it's okay that they have been sidelined because when we need them or when the story dictates it, they will be here. So, David, moving into the book stuff, this entire scenario with book is intriguing. It's reminiscent. Are you ready for this? And I'm sure you have seen the same thing. Or have seen the same thing. It's reminiscent of Captain Maxwell and the TNG episode, the wounded.
0: (laughs) I was, uh, I can't believe you brought that up. Of course. Come on now. One of my favorite
1: moments in TNG, because it means so a lot for the entire canon of the Rick Berman era of Star Trek. In this episode, the wounded that featured captain Maxwell.
0: Maxwell.
1: If you remember Maxwell believed he was doing the right thing and he took matters into his own hands when he took his ship into Cardassian space and destroyed supply ships that he believed carried weapons. This is what I'm waiting for to happen in Discovery. It's got to happen. In the TNG episode, Maxwell's actions are what eventually lead to the formation of the terrorist group known Maquis. as the Maquis. Yeah. A single character's actions. Because there must be consequences for actions. A single character's actions, Captain Maxwell, in nineteen ninety-one managed to interweave over a decade of story that spanned TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. So the question I pose, David, is what will the consequence be for what Book has done? Antarka. And Tarka. Because even though Tarka pulled the trigger, he could not have pulled the trigger without book's help if book didn't decide to steal a spore drive fire upon discovery those are major things it doesn't matter in fact that's why i liked what um what is was the name navan navar navar no navar is the name of the, the Vulcan. oh yeah, yeah talking of the the woman that came back nahan i forget her name I think it's I think it's non non that's what it is non yes you're right it's why non said it doesn't matter what his intentions were he just fired yes at you (laughs) so I like that they said that because that's why I said two episodes ago or even last episode maybe that there's no going back for book And I hope the writers don't try to hold on to some romanticized idea of Burnham and book being in love and saying, ah, we're going to go ahead and let book get away with this book committed a crime. Yes. There's gotta be consequences. And I love the character. So I'm not saying he needs to be killed or he needs to be completely banished from the show. I'm saying that in order for this to feel real and to, for us to believe that there's consequences to the actions of these characters, He's got to pay a price.
0: Yeah. And you know what's amazing? The same thing. I'm glad you brought up the comparison of Captain Maxwell to book. Because his actions resonated forever, forever what he did. But also on top of that, both characters, you as we as the audience, not as the characters, but we as the audience can relate to those characters, we would probably make the same decisions that they would make. Yeah. See, I don't disagree with book, but I that, don't dis- but disagree. Unfortunately, with Unfortunately, that's not the point. Exactly. <laughs> and, and same thing with your, your example of captain Maxwell. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with max. I didn't agree with his decision. Well, didn't they allude in that episode? They allude
1: to the fact that he was actually right. That yeah. They had found out that because remember Picard- it wasn't spelled out and they left it open ended Or ambiguous, I want to say, but they alluded to the fact that Maxwell was right; they were carrying weapons, but that wasn't the point. The point is that he broke protocol, almost created war, and then essentially created the terrorist group, the Maquis.
0: Because remember, in the end, Picard questioned the Kardashians what was in their 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 storage hold. Yeah, and then the the Kardashians are really secretive about it. Yeah, and it's like at that point, Picard became like. Us as the audience is like, we know that they were hiding something. A terrorist act is a terrorist it act. A terrorist act. It doesn't matter
1: what the, you know, reasons for it was or not. I mean, Book decided to take a weapon and try to destroy, the fir- for first contact. At first contact. His action was to destroy the DMA. So there's got to be huge consequences. There has for to him. be. I'm hoping now, even if those consequences are simply story related meaning not necessarily, or let's say myth arc related. Obviously there'll be some type of commandments. He'll have to pay when it comes to the Federation, right? But there has to, be. but I'm talking about from a myth arc perspective, the actions of blowing up that DMA, there's gotta be some consequences to that.
0: Especially, especially dude. The one thing that I was cracking up at that is like they blow up the DMA. Yeah. And then another DMA just
1: shows up really easily. Okay, Dave, so that might actually be the consequence. Maybe they awoke the sleeping dragon. The sleeping dragon or the sleeping giant. I mean, in fact, how daunting and hopeless was that ending? I mean, a new DMA appearing in the same place, that basically tells us even more about unknown species 10C. Now, we yeah. already had assumed that they were highly advanced. But now we find out they're even more powerful to the point that that weapon didn't even matter to them. Yes. That it's the God of
0: Shockery, They Face
1: it. didn't <laughs> even miss a step with the destruction of their mining device. So to add to this threat, David, there was an aspect that we didn't get into last episode because I forgot. And we were running behind, if you remember. But let's remind people what Boronite is and his connection to Star Trek Voyager because yes. the stakes have risen for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, the last time and only time Fortnite was ever mentioned in Star Trek was in Star Trek Voyager. Yes. And it was com- it was connected to it was connected to an episode that delved into something called the Omega Directive. Yes. And the episode revealed that the Omega Directive was so important that it was highly secretive and the only people that knew of this omega directive were captains of their vessels of the vessels
0: and it had to be high ranking ca- vessels too. and they
1: were sworn to secrecy they could not tell anyone about the omega directive it was revealed in the episode of star trek voyager all Starfleet captains were always under strict orders to destroy an omega article yes that's the important part there An Omega molecule is so destructive and so rare that Starfleet can't mess around and try to harness its energy at all. They cannot because it's too dangerous. In the same episode, Seven of Nine reveals the perfect Omega structure makes it the science of holy, the holy grail of science, essentially. Exactly. For the Borg, she says. And at one point, the Borg tried to create their own Omega molecule using. Boronite the possible destructive powers of Boronite were introduced and then forgotten in that episode. And it was never brought back until discovery. Yeah. So the Borg were only able to construct an Omega molecule using Boronite for a couple of seconds. But now in discovery, Burnham points out that an unknown alien species Tennessee is destroying entire planets as a dredge to mine large quantities of Boronite, as we saw in the last episode. What this means is simple. The abilities of Species 10C are way beyond anything anyone has encountered in Star Trek ever. Yes. And it's deeply or closely connected to the Omega Directive. It's only a matter of time, Dave, before they bring up that phrasing, because if they're dealing with Boronite, the next logical step is for them to conclude that this has to do with the omega molecule, the
0: omega molecule. So
1: right now, we, or I should say, we were led to believe that possibly uh, this this structure out beyond the galactic barrier it could just simply be a place where they harness energy, where they live. It may be completely benevolent. It's fine, nothing to worry about. But if they are mining boromite at this level or Boronite at this level, then it's got to be connected to the Omega molecule. Yeah. And if that happens, Dave, we're in some uncharted territory and that's pretty exciting.
0: Dude, you know what's really exciting? The last couple of months I've been noticing more and more ties to Voyager are starting to spring up with a lot of the series. You know why David? Because Voyager is great. because a lot
1: of people <laughs> slept on that show. <laughs> yes, like, they did. Like fuck this show. And then they go back and realize, just like with Deep Space Nine, they go back and realize, hmm, Uh, this is pretty good. It's
0: pretty good. (laughs) There's some things here we can definitely use. And I loved, I actually really do remember that Omega Directive episode. Yeah. And it's one of my favorites because it really showed the type of captain that Janeway was. Janeway, I remember that the whole story in Omega directive was the fact that Janeway calls the crew together and tells them, okay, this is what, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my, this is my duty. If I see this, I have to go over here and just wipe this out, wipe it off the planet or wipe wipe it out, uh, Out out of existence. Yeah. And the whole crew is appalled because like, Normally in Star Trek, you're not supposed to go in and just guns a blazing and just eradicate something. You're supposed to look at it, and you're supposed to study it, and you're supposed to, like, learn from it. But Janeway, showing the type of captain that she is, basically says, no, my, my orders are this. We go here. It's going to take us off the path that of going home, but because I ran into this Omega Molecule, yeah. I have yeah. to go over here and destroy it. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest episodes because it was the one of the first times you see real division, true division, true, true like ideological division among the Voyager crew, not just because they're Maquis and the Federation, but they're human beings that basically saying, "Well, wait a minute. We have this opportunity to find this god molecule, this energy source that will get us home." It's too seductive. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, that's the, that was what made the episode awesome because in the center of this is captain Janeway standing firm and basically saying, no, we're not going down this path. Now imagine in discovery, suddenly they start tapping into that, that basically now you have to explain why was the Omega directive so important? Yeah. This is why this is what happens when the Omega molecule gets, used and basically just like what you said, the temptation of it, of a species using it. So Dave, that being said, do you, do you think it would feel weird
1: if we're talking about Boronite and then we don't delve into the Omega molecule? It feels strange, right?
0: After, after this episode, yes.
1: Boronite, as far as I know, has never been mentioned based on what I looked up before the show. I wasn't sure. Boronite has never been mentioned except in Star Trek Voyager, the Omega Molecule episode. Yeah. And then it was mentioned here in Discovery.
0: And it was mentioned here in Discovery, and it played big time in Discovery.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens. And overall, I'm not sure how any of this will affect the official first contact with Species 10C. (laughs) But as we can see in the last moments of the episode, in the end, the destruction of the DMA didn't matter.
0: I still say, I still say, Mike, in the very end, all of a sudden, you just, all of a sudden, they, they meet tenth C and they think it's a new alien, but it's going to be an old alien, and it's going to be the Paclids. Oh, David! <laughs> the Paclids have found the Omega. Mo- Can you imagine yeah. that species finding the Omega molecule? And made them strong, already. Right. And it made them strong. <laughs> oh my God!
1: Please. I think no, Star
0: Trek fans' heads would explode.
1: Your head is, is stuck in Lower Decks and it's just not going to happen, okay? <laughs> Pecklets. I'm a pecklet. All I'm saying is there's a lot riding on these last two episodes yes. because if they build this up and then they give us the type of Sukal bullshit <laughs> because David, <laughs> the, the idea I keep saying this, the idea for the third season was so fucking cool. The idea that there's this this, this mystery that destroyed all the dilithium the burn and we're all theorizing we're all like wow what could this be this is amazing in fact a lot of us were saying that they don't even need to solve this this year yeah that's just an awesome setup for the new era of trek in this new timeline and um, and then they end it and explain it with this child thing just was, it was the most, I honestly think it's probably the stupidest thing I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> it was a cry of a child. Yeah. And, and listen, then the original all... series
1: had some pretty stupid things. Remember that, that uh, poodle that was uh, dressed to look like an alien. Yes. Remember the uh, plastic um, mask for certain aliens. No, and no, you can Spock see with the no eyes.
0: brain. Spock with yeah. no brain. And
1: there's some pretty silly things, but the reason why they get away with it is because those shows were made in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> When i to get more from the Holodeck content by pledging to our Patreon page. This year, we've got a wide variety of Trek content planned for Patreon subscribers so you don't want to miss out. We have pre-shows, exclusive podcast episodes like reviews on Star Trek novels, comic books, and topical discussions revolving around the Borg, the Maquis, Q, and more. Uh, So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge a minimum of $5 a month to gain access to our podcast and behind-the-scenes tiers. If we are to continue to broadcast and produce more episodes, we do need the assistance from the viewers. I estimate that we will have over 40 new episodes, maybe even closer to 50 uh, episodes this year just from our regular feed. And we can only do that if we hit certain Patreon subscribers. So if you like our shows, get more of what you like, go to patreon.com slash Digital. Okay, so Nan is back and the Emerald has given her orders to commandeer Discovery. If Burnham is unable to make the hard decision of taking out Burnham or Book, not herself, that'd be weird. Taking out Book. I like this aspect, David, quite a bit because the writers are obviously taking steps to address some of Burnham's less than perfect qualities as captain. Some, And I don't even know if it was intentional. I'd say there was just a a disconnect when forming her character because the show has passed through different leadership, different showrunners that I feel like they have found themselves continually resetting Burnham a bit. Yeah. And now they're finally moving past some of those issues and allowing her to grow as a character. And they are addressing those issues first. They started doing it last season a bit. They definitely did it this season. And now the fact that the Emerald's putting someone essentially in charge so that Burnham doesn't make those classic Burnham decisions. Decisions she, she, She's going to be emotionally compromised. Everyone gets that. And I think I know my problem with Burnham. I figured it out this episode. And when I say problem, please don't think I dislike Burnham. I do like her quite a bit. But some of the issues I've had with her over the years, you know what it is, David? What? It's not just that she cries. I know we all make jokes so she's going to start crying. She talks too much about her feelings. I think that's the problem. Everyone on that ship is privy to her emotional breakdowns and her feelings and that's not really what you want to do as a captain no that's one of her weaknesses honestly yeah even our more sensitive captains i would say janeway and even cisco who is very connected to his crew in a more intimate way because of war it forged these relationships and then of course as voyager the relationship relationships formed or forged, I should say, into this uh, type of family unit because of them being isolated from everyone else and being exclusive on one vessel for so long.
0: But even then, I mean, even like in regards to Janeway, the crew never really knew what Janeway was thinking. They'd be wondering. Right. But they never like with Burnham, Burnham makes it known to everyone. This is how I'm feeling. And that's my point,
1: (laughs) Dave, is that. Even our characters that were like that, they were more in touch with their feelings and more closer to their crew, let's say, they still didn't show their emotions exactly. except to a few select key crew members uh, that they could trust. Everyone has their confidant or that person to rely on in Star Trek. Every captain, Captain Picard had Dinan uh, and Troy, and Kirk had Spock and McCoy. And McCoy. And Voyager had Chakotay, Tuvok, and Deep Space Nine had, uh, for Cisco, it was, it was Jaco. <laughs> it, <was> Jay- <laughs> it, was, it was his son. <laughs> and Dax. Yeah. So, they were select people so that when we were watching the show, we didn't get this idea that this person just is an emotional basket case that is just so open with her feelings and just shares it with everyone. Um, and that's been my problem and I didn't really, I couldn't really put my finger on it. It's just that she shares too much. It's not that she is emotional. Emotions are great for characters. I love emotional comp- emotionally complicated characters. I find them the most interesting. But at the end of the day, it's the amount of sharing. Because in all actuality, no one shares their feelings that much. In fact, there was a, an actor, I want to say, was it Michael Caine, that said that his style of acting is based 100% on reality. He's not one of those actors that likes to show emotions. He doesn't believe in those over-the-top Daniel Day Lewis performances, even though those are amazing. Because he said most people in Direct reality like do everything in their power to hide what they're thinking and to hide what they're feeling. Well, also, so when you have these movies that show all these characters just showing and sharing their feelings and And, uh, you know, oversharing, essentially, it just feels unrealistic. That is the problem at the end of the day that I've had with Burnham through the last several years is just that her willingness to overshare with people in a setting where she probably shouldn't since she's in charge.
0: Well, also, you know, this brings up a really interesting philosophical question is like what made the captains, you know, like Kirk, Picard, especially Cisco, when I think about it. What made them great was you knew that they were human beings and they can show emotion, right? Especially with Cisco, because I remember one moment he'd have this really impactful emotional moment with his son or this really deep, engaging talk with, with Dax. Right. And then suddenly he'll flip a switch and then turn into the most hard nailed commander when war started. Yep. Right. Yep. That is what a true leader does. That's what a true leader does come crunch time. Right. They have to be willing to sh- turn off the emotion and basically just turn on the badass mode.
1: And I'm not saying every captain needs to be the same. There can be more emotional people. I mean, that's just the re- the reality of it is is that there are more emotional people out there. But I feel like when you have an individual who's in charge of a starship, yes. and is a, essentially a military position a military and science position i can't imagine a person with that type of responsibility being so open mm. and emotionally with everyone
0: but now now think about it though mike i mean in today's in today's society we're trying to go away from that we're trying to actually say you need to share more. You need to go for your mental health. And it's a it's a, it's a a legitimate argument.
1: Sharing to one or two people, not sharing to the world.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's the difference. It's yeah. Share, it is with Burnham, everyone on the crew knows. It'd be one thing if, like, it's just Book, maybe Saru. Those two. Right. I, I would understand. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, you know, like Bryce knowing rice and, yeah. and Stan that's knowing and, and Culbert, maybe Culbert to some degree because he's the counselor. Right. But like everyone on the ship knows what Burnham's thinking.
1: Yeah. And I and that's I mean, ultimately, that's why. And I'm trying the reason why we've even digressed in the, into this territory is simply because we're trying to say that we like what they're doing this year with her because it's obvious that they're trying to remedy some of those issues. And they're trying to show the growth of her as a captain. Absolutely. And and maybe you can argue, I don't think that's the case, but maybe retrospectively they can argue that this was what they're trying to do. This is Burnham's story. Someone who was possibly slightly emotionally immature because of her experiences in life and her trauma as a child. And then the loss of pretty much everyone she knows maybe that's retrospectively what they could say was her story. And now this is the point where she's finally getting past that baggage and she is learning to deal with it differently. Regardless, I'm, I'm liking how they're handling it.
0: I am too, because like also on, on the flip side for me, it's, it isn't more or less like, like what you're saying, but also like if they were, if the whole point of Michelle paradise and her writing team is to question Question what makes a great Starfleet captain and that this is their whole point. You know, we may not like how Burnham's doing it. We may not like how emotional and basically open she is because I agree with you. I, if I was on the crew of discovery, I'd be like looking at Burnham going, dude, I have no faith in you because you, you lack the leadership qualities that I'm looking to at crunch time. Yeah. Yeah. But if Michelle Paradise's writing team is the whole purpose we are going to question that
1: yeah
0: and that i think that that's genius
1: yeah and it seems like that's what they've been doing this year okay so saru and the Navarre president looks like they're going to be <laughs> a thing alien alien
0: sex man alien sex I'm, i want <laughs> i think we're heading towards that i'm okay with this setup
1: i like what they're doing because it's give it's giving us a, a different perspective or a different angle. A different look.
0: That's I think, better. Might be yeah, a, better, a different a, look.
1: a different look at Saru. And it's... And they got to. Because essentially, dude... Well, they got to give him something to do this gotta season. They got to give him something. Because if they didn't give him that, yeah. he's kind of just in the
0: background. Well, not only that. I mean, since season one, we were thinking Saru was going to be the captain of Discovery. So now, in this season, we're we're stuck with the notion that, okay the story of Saru isn't in that chair. You have to give him something else. (laughs) You you got to. And you know what? Normally I would like be rolling my eyes with like, Oh, let's throw a a random alien relationship. But the whole thing with Saru and the president actually is it's jiving with uh, it's really jiving with me because it's kind of like, okay, they're not over overdoing it. Yeah. They're almost kind of like building it. We're seeing the, the building blocks.
1: No, I think it's good. I feel like it, it ultimately helps round out the character out. Yeah. like Saru. Listen, if we had a choice between this relationship and the relationship with his so-called <laughs> ward of a putz, name as Sakal. But Mike,
0: Mike, he just wanted to be friends. I know you. I love you. When you come back, Saru,
1: I'm scared, Saru. Hologram taught me to talk this way. The DMA scares me. Can you come back?
0: Oh, God. I hate that character.
1: Why? (laughs) Don't feel bad. He's not a real person. He's stupid. (laughs) He's stupid. He's like a, he is like a pack lid. He kind of is. (laughs) Would you like something to make you strong? (laughs) Who calls? Who call? You can deal with the DMA threat. Yeah. So listen, if we had to choose between a relationship with, uh, I forget her name. Tarina or Torena, Tarina. Tarina. If we had a choice between that relationship and Sakal, I'm choosing this one every. Yes, yeah. Every I time, agree.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Because I was worried that they bring back Sukal, and it sucks because like I get what they were trying to do, but man, the handling of that character was just terrible.
1: I, I will say we're leading into some interesting fan fiction. Story areas. Like we're well, the writers this year in Discovery are giving the fan fiction writers out there some some heavy material to work with. <laughs> because believe me, my brain is swirling. Like, how does this even work? It's gonna happen eventually, but how does it happen?
0: I mean, does his genitalia match up with her? Yes.
1: <laughs> does Saru even have
0: a regular penis or does it
1: look like the ganglia and it's just a bunch of it coming out from like the a bunch of tendrils. region?
0: Yeah. It's a bunch of tendrils.
1: Yeah. yeah l- listen, there's quite I have questions. Is his genitalia in his knees? Yeah. Yes. Is it? I need to know the anatomy of Saru before they have sex, okay? Because I need to make sure I approve of it, or at least I have a, a good image blazed. I used, I used in to remember.
0: Mind. I used to remember. This is how messed up Star Trek fans were back in the day, dude. I used to remember they would come up with books that showed the biology of all the all like the, the species. F- the fans did, or no actual no, actually licensed officially licensed books that came up with wow. like oh this is how the biology of this the species acts hey, the Vulcans have two buttholes <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. all right so let's get into final thoughts Dave why don't you start
0: final thoughts I as I said in the beginning of this episode I was a little little mixed up with this episode because they were throwing so many things but the things that they were throwing at us really stuck well. Yeah. Right? They mm-hmm. they they were, like, going all over the place. It seemed like they're trying to tackle many different uh, statements. Mm-hmm. But the statements that they were d- dealing with still stuck to the overall narrative, which is Burnham's ascension into being a captain. It, it was coherent. It was coherent. Yeah. And... I know that last episode I gave the last episode, I think at 89. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with this one, I'm giving it a, I gave it an 87. Okay. Just because uh, as I said, really great stuff they were talking about, but about like 10, 15 minutes into the episode, I felt I was like a little lost. Yeah. I, I feel like, I think you're right. I wasn't lost.
1: Although I did Okay, so what we were given in the way of story was fine. The plot plot point worked, the things that were introduced. uh, There were some issues with the overall writing of the episode. For example, the, let's just call it the teaser, was, I want to say, 14 minutes long. And maybe that wasn't even a teaser at this point. Maybe it was actually written as act one. But well, let's say it is a teaser. Teaser is supposed to be at most maybe five minutes. Now, I know in this day of streaming, teasers have gone from two minutes to sometimes 20 minutes. 20 minutes. But you're dealing sometimes with 90-minute episodes of TV shows on HBO, sometimes on FX. In fact, Sons of Anarchy, as well as Mayans MC, is notorious for these long-ass teasers. Teasers. But they work for a show that is, you know, the running time is, is larger than normal. After the teaser, there was 44 minutes left in the episode. So that was strange. And maybe that threw off the, the writing a bit because I do feel like there was some writing inconsistencies just with the way the narrative was structured. But as I said, the story and the elements that were introduced and given to us, uh, it was fine. Yeah. So I do agree with you. There's something a little
0: the pacing, the pacing, kind of, you know. I don't know if it's the
1: pacing. I, I honestly would. Ha- I only watched the episode once, so I'd have to actually go back and pay attention exclusively to, to the pacing, and uh, I should say I'd, I'd have to go and specifically watch the episode with the eye for pacing and writing, sp- and that's it. And then probably I can come back and say definitively whether or not it was a writing. But at this point, with one viewing. I would say it is definitely coming from the writing side, some of the issues. So I'm going to follow you up with an 88%. So it was not a bad episode. It yeah. was actually a great installment. And it does have me what, on the edge of my seat. Is that too much? Or is that okay to say that? Oh, easily. Is that, am I, am I being hyperbolic or
0: no, because the that cliffhanger opened up so many questions because if the shot went off and you're dealing with a race that, is is mining boromite and legitimately the question of the omega molecule does come into play. You're dealing with a species that is well, better equipped than what the Federation is right now. Yeah, it is. It goes back to like what we were the argument that or not the argument, but the, the statement we made, I think in the last two episodes, one of the last two episodes was Species 10C probably sees the Federation like how we see ants. Yeah. They're, they probably look at us and they're going to swat us away. I,
1: David, listen, I don't. we got to close, close out the show, but I don't think there's going to be full resolve. I don't think so either.
0: We have two episodes
1: left. I almost feel like they resolve the immediate story so that there's closure and it's a complete season. But I almost feel like the issue of Species 10C I feel like we're going to delve into that next year. You think? I feel like they're going to clue us in and we're going to have to be continued like classic TNG.
0: I think I, I, I actually, oh, now that you think I about it, that. I think so. I want that. Like right as we see what the species looks like.
1: You- Give us that data moment where he walks out with the Borg and like the sons of soon. Have United.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> that was awesome. That was actually really cool. It was that one happened. of those moments to where there is like
1: a finale feeling, but you give us that cliffhanger. I would be okay with that. I mean, that's what they did with season two, and that's why it worked. Season two was essentially a cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with you.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Let's close out today's show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to find us on iTunes and uh, Spotify. Those are our preferred places to listen because you can leave us reviews and give us a thumbs up rating, which helps our show get seen by more people because it triggers algorithms. We do need that. Also, don't forget our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to additional Star Trek discussions. Thank you, David.
0: Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me! End
1: simulation.